0: For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game!
1: Welcome to Short Hops and Tall Tales, a pictureless podcast highlighting the romantic elements of baseball that make America's pastime so special. I'm Noah Scott, once again here with my co-host Brandon Riddle to bring you some of the wildest stories behind baseball's most famous quotes, players, games, and more. Today here with us, we have PitcherList Daniel Port. Now, Daniel has been working for PitcherList since 2018, and throughout his time, he's worn many hats as both a writer and a manager. You may know him for his work writing Going Deep and Batter's Box Features, writing for the newsletter, or from his video work covering various drafts. He currently serves as the PL Plus Discord Manager and co-hosts the Command the Zone podcast along with host Mary Ankenbrook and fellow co-host Callan Elsiger. In addition to his work at PitcherList, Daniel is working on an MS in sports analytics and management at American University. Daniel, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course, we're very happy to, to have you on our podcast. Now,
0: just for the people at home, uh,
1: what, what's some of your background in baseball? How How'd you get started?
0: So it's interesting. I've obviously been a baseball fan my whole life. I grew up since I was a, a, a child growing up. Uh, I used the way my mom used to get me to do uh, the chores when I was growing up was to let me listen to the games on the radio. And that, that was how she got me to do chores. And so I fell in love with baseball. I kind of grew up in the perfect time for it in the 90s. So I'm from Cleveland. Um, but then about probably three or four years ago, um, I was having some difficulty with uh, some... I used to play football. And so I, uh, I got a couple of concussions playing football. And uh, was having some like not memory problems, but just was kind of trying to get ahead of it for when I get older. And so I was talking to my doctor, and he said what well, I should start doing is doing math every day. And so I thought, well, I, I I hate math. That sounds terrible. Why would I do that? And lo and behold, I thought to myself, but baseball. And I had played fantasy baseball for like crazy. And so I started doing, uh, and I've been doing that for years. And so I started doing my own uh, projections. Uh, I just started doing that as a way to do math. And it turns out I love math. Um, and <laughs> so then about two years ago, uh, Nick puts out one of the first big calls for writers at for picture List. And I was like, there's no way. And my girlfriend looks at me and goes, "You, you just apply. Why not? You know, uh, just give it a shot. Who knows? And so I apply. And Nick sent me this thing back saying, uh, we need a prompt from you, you know, just uh, write about two players that you want to do. Six thousand words later, I hand him an article, and he's like, "You'll be just fine." <laughs> and has been in baseball ever since. Excellent. I love that, and I think that was that kind of mirrors.
1: Uh, I think a lot of our stories with Pitcher List is I when when I came on board, it was the same thing. I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm never. They're never going to want me to, you know, go and write about baseball." But Turns out Nick
2: Pollock so, is an incredibly nice guy and uh-huh. will give you the opportunity. To- so, uh, Absolutely. So, so so you mentioned growing up with a 90s Cleveland powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So this is a tough question, or it may not be a tough question. Who was your childhood favorite hero on that team? Favorite hero? Favorite player? Yeah, it could be a hero. Either one. Uh, yeah, for me, it was
0: hands down Kenny Lofton. Uh, Kenny, I yeah. loved Kenny Lofton. And some of it was that, like, obviously as a kid, I think at some point my brain... Blended Willie Mays Hayes from Major League with Kenny Lofton, um, but I just, I don't know. There's something about the, I, re- I always remember the play of watching it. I saw it actually on TV when it happened where he scales the center field wall and basically like puts a foot up on it and jumps up and grabs some uh. Uh, home run ball. And like from there on in, I was just like, I'm in, this is my guy. Uh, I loved, it's, it's, I think still, even to this day, the stolen base is one of the most exciting things in baseball. So I loved Kenny Lofton. He was the leadoff guy. He just was my, he was easily my favorite player. That's a great player. I, I think if I had to pick a, a, a player
1: from those, those Cleveland days, 90s, 2000s, I think it has to be Kenny Lofton too. You, you just, he was just so dynamic and it's really just a travesty that he fell off the hall of fame bracket. So
2: yeah, ballot
1: so quickly, <laughs> Um, funny story. I actually met Kenny Lofton when I was about 15. I think I was actually going through physical therapy because I separated the growth plate in my throwing elbow. Oh, fun! And Jeez. he just happened to be rehabbing at the same physical therapy clinic. And I was incredibly <laughs> terrified because I mean, you know, he's Kenny Lofton, right? And I was there with my brother who also had arm trouble. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we just pretty much saunter up to him, these two little kids. And my brother, his name's Colby, and he has a, a baseball. A T-shirt that says Colby Baseball uh, from Colby College that we bought him as a joke one year for for uh, I don't know his birthday or something. And Kenny Lofton immediately sees it and he's like, "That's your name, man! I need to get me a shirt that says Kenny, like something like that." And he just <laughs> I just remember him being incredibly polite to to these two kids where it seemed like he you know he clearly just wanted to do his rehab and get out of there. But I'll always remember him making a little bit of time to just chat us up. Well, that's nice yeah that's that's awesome. is the hall of that. fame
2: player he's a hall of fame person according to that one story
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, now daniel i heard you have a trivia question for me and brandon
0: yes absolutely so um you know uh, for our i was recording our podcast which for the record uh command the zone if you ever get a chance to check us out um out every friday we um we were talking about Dustin Pedroia and we did a, like a section about Dustin Pedroia's retirement and about second basements. And one of the segments we talked about was where does he fall in the hall of fame? Do we think he'd be a, 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 a hall of famer? And so I thought, well, I look up uh, the second base rankings for, you know, jaws for the hall of fame, uh, sort of version of war that Jay Jaffe created. And what's amazing is in the top 20 uh, and I'll give away Dustin Pedroia sits at number 20 uh, on the list of all-time second basemans in Jaws. There were three players before him that are not in the Hall of Fame. uh, They're ahead of him in Jaws. Now, my question is, and all three of these players, I'll I'll give you this, are alive. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, That's good. Uh, That's good. You want to take this this one,
0: Noah? And I can give you a little more hints. Who are the three players ahead of him in Jaws that are not in the Hall of Fame? Okay, so I know Brandon saw me
1: frantically waving over the uh, over the video right here. And I know one of them is is my guy Chase Utley. I, mm-hmm. I as soon as you started you dropped Dustin Pedroia second base is like hot oh, Chase we Utley knew. question. <laughs> yeah. Came upon yeah, on another episode that we just did. Oh um, nice, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, who do you who do you have? Uh, you said there's two oh. more?
2: Yep, two yes, more. Two so more that are still alive. <sighs> Chase Utley was the obvious one. And uh, I, I'm going to draw a blank for a moment. I would need time to think about this.
1: (laughs) My okay. So, so I'm going to just throw a name out there. I'm not sure if he's still alive. Is it Bobby Gritch?
0: Bobby Gritch is not in the, well, so, oh, okay. So actually you caught me on one. There's four of them. So Bobby Gritch is in there. There's two more still. Mm -hmm. There are two more still. So Bobby Gritch is one of them.
2: Absolutely. Oh, um, oh shoot. I just read about him. That's going to kill me I don't remember his name. Or his um, shortstop partner that they were partners with for like 15 years. Um, that's going to kill me when I remember his name.
1: Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I honestly can't come up with, with any of the other two. Uh, because it's not going to be Kinsler. He's got to be lower. Um,
2: I Whitaker, too. Maybe.
1: So Lou I Whitaker, mean, yes, Lou there Whittaker, you go, you okay. nailed it, Lou Whitaker, okay. indeed.
0: Three, for, three for four. I'll, I'll take that.
2: Um, you're gonna get all the glory here, though. I'm, I, I can't remember the guy's name. You wanna,
0: this one, you're gonna kick yourselves uh, for the ultimate yeah, answer. answer. I will give you a hint to see okay, if this. I'll, this I'll comes take a hint. There's absolutely no way this guy will get voted in by the by the BBWA. Jeff Kent. No, it is not Jeff Kent. Uh, he just misses at 21. In fact, actually, Dustin Pedroia okay, well, is
2: ahead of him. Well, well Technically, um, Pete Rose played a number of positions. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, no, it's uh, not Pete Rose. Um,
0: and actually, technically, is still an active player. Technically still
2: active. Still an active player. Let's go through the scandals uh, in my mind. <laughs> Can- Can- no, it's not Canel. No. Can it be Cano? Is it, is it Cano?
1: Cano? It, I think it's Cano. It I is Cano. Cano. It yeah, is
0: Cano. It's Robinson the, Cano.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was a great question. I I love <laughs> you. I am kicking myself. And, and you got all of them. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it's interesting. Cano
0: is, of all things, he's number seven on the list. It's kind of wild because, wow. like, I think we know the, like, I was, like, getting my head the last, like, couple years of Robinson Cano where it's, like, you know, a really great hitter, you know, kind of high average, some power. And then you forget, like, when you go back and look because Jaws does the seven-year mm-hmm. peak, you know, it's factored in there. And you forget just how good for, like, seven years oh, yeah. Robbie Cano that, was. It's just wild. Those yeah.
2: early years Cano, like, I rode him to the Fantasy Baseball Championships year after year. <laughs> he was my guy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it it really feels like with Pedroia retiring, we're seeing the end of a of a mini era, right? It, it's second base in the uh, you know 2005 to 2015, or you know a little later, I guess, where you had Utley, you had Ian Kinsler, Michael Young. I feel like those guys are are all that the book's closing on that chapter with Pedroia now. That's,
2: if we were if we were poor baseball writers, we'd call all of them I just lost the word um, scrappy for no oh apparent reason.
0: Yeah, all, all of those. <laughs> trite yeah i was gonna say it's always funny just because like growing up one of the funnier things of like other if you want insight into young dan i just had this thing and i think probably my guess is at some point it played second base in like little league or something and got obsessed with it like kids do but, like i had a thing for for second baseman like that was something mm-hmm. that like i just and it kind of stuck with me all the way it's like there's like this pocket of random second baseman's who like you nice. like, why does dan care about mark rezilonic But I do, you know, (laughs) Um, and uh, for one of them, the other guy in the top 10 that I kept forgetting he actually got elected was uh, to see that uh, Ryan Sandberg was in there. That was like when I was a kid. Zandberg. I grew up worshipping Ryan Zamberg. So that was like a funny one that just I don't know. Second baseman and in me. That's the thing.
1: And it's it's <laughs> very it's very interesting that this conversation on on second baseman is coming up because we we'll, it'll it might tie in a little later into in a, into one of our segments. Mm-hmm. Um and to that end, we're now gonna enter the name
2: game. Uh oh. I, I really wanted to have like the Twilight themes <laughs> uh, theme song yeah. come out to that. <laughs> it was like the right tone and voice for it. The name game.
1: Perfect. So, and so, what what we're gonna do here is we're gonna explore a little bit of the careers and lives of, well, you know, Daniel. Baseball has just this wide, this abundant range of players. Uh, this history of players with really out there nicknames and really yes. unique names, uh, and that's one of my favorite aspects about baseball. So, what we're gonna do here is I'm gonna go into two players we'll go one after the other i'm going to give you their name or nickname and then i'm going to dive in and ask you and brandon i'm going to put you on the hot seat to come up to come up with your own ideas about where those nicknames might have come from or what they may be referencing sound good yeah sure this is like baseball taboo or something kind of it kind of (laughs) is i like that so so the first the first name we have and i love this one we have granny hamner it's not hammer but hamner it's it's very close um so I know you likely have no idea who I'm talking about here, but how do you think this person got the nickname uh, Granny Hamner? Why do they call him that?
2: You want to go first? or do you, I'll take it. All right, I'll take Let's it. I, it. it. Think, we'll buy I think <laughs> Yeah, I think that Granny was like the team cook. He got really into baking cookies and things, brownies now and then. And so he in spring training, he'd have some players over and they just started calling Granny because he always had the apron on and was going for it.
0: I like that. I, I think that's a pretty good guess. Daniel, what do you have? So in my head, this plays out as like, you know, some kind of like 1910, 1888, you know, era player back then. And like in my head, uh, this is like a like a Johnny appleseed thing or like uh like a like a food thing. So like this guy just like loved like Granny Smith apples or something okay. like that. And just like was always <laughs> munching on one. That that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it i i personally love love both both of those theories and i think that honestly
1: like like i feel like either of those theories could very well have existed like those players could have existed just one that was super into apples or something (laughs) like that because baseball is a weird sport but it actually just came from and i hate for this to be a letdown that just that was just his name his name was granville wilbur hammer no
0: way oh Oh my gosh
2: that doesn't sound like someone who'd be playing in the fifties. It sounds like somebody playing in the eighteen eighties. Granville yeah. Wilbur Hamner.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and right, <laughs> I, I was like actually the, a little a little surprised at that myself.
0: Yeah, no, that's huh. that's a
1: huh, that's a that, that is yeah, yeah. fun, yeah. <laughs> but it gets better. So so Granville Wilbur Hamner, he was very very um, made a point that people just called him Gran. Hated being called Granny, which. <laughs> sucks it's your nickname at a certain point and he a lot of people described him as is mean hot tempered pretty rough oh, uh which sucks. i figure it tracks right because everyone yeah. calls him, him granny for his 16 year like,
2: career it's like a boy named sue of course that's gonna happen
0: <laughs> yeah like if, if you expressly uh, express i don't know yeah uh, that uh that you hate a nickname and then everyone's like well then that's all we're gonna call you and then you become known by it I'd Mm -hmm. kind of be crotchety too. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: And so he kind of ties into the players we were just talking about here. He actually played 16 years at shortstop for Philadelphia. And so he, he actually had a brother. His name was Garvin, right? So you have Gran and you have Garvin hammer. So, They were both very athletic kids growing up. Uh, Their mom actually pushed the two of them into baseball and sports. Uh, Granny actually was the captain of his high school basketball, football, and baseball teams. Wow. Which is ridiculous. I've only heard of Jackie Robinson being that good at that many sports. Good for him, Uh, right? (laughs) And he was actually discovered by Ben Chapman while playing pro ball for the Richmond Colts as a teenager. Same Ben Chapman, the, the racist uh, Philadelphia Phillies manager that yelled horrible things at Jackie Robinson and other players just just are on the same page. Same Ben Chapman ended up signing with Philadelphia, debuted at the Polo Grounds at 17 years old wow. in 1944, 17. He was a teenager. and you'll, <laughs> you'll get a kick out of this. OK, so prior to that, the closest he's gotten to Major League game time was when he faced Satchel Paige in an exhibition with his American Legion team. Just four years prior. So if you count back, he's 17 debuting at Polo Grounds. He had to hit off of
2: Satchel Paige when he was about 13. And, and not old Satchel Paige. This is like prime Satchel Paige in 1940, what? right? I, <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm not sure hit off is the right... Yeah, I'm not sure "hit off" would be the right word in that case. <laughs> That's true. I, 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 sh- I should go
1: and and try and dig up records about what horrible, unspeakable things Satch did to that lineup Oof. on that day. Like, can you imagine what's what's the equivalent of that today? Thirteen-year-olds having to hit off of like I don't know,
0: like Clayton Kershaw, Jacob Degrom, or something. That's ridiculous. I would say like the closest I ever can think of in this is like, uh, do you remember? This is years and years and years ago, but the the one time um, I think it was was it John Kruk. Yeah, John Kruk had the face Randy Johnson. And mm-hmm. like everyone makes fun of him for it because he's like in the, he's basically out of the batter's box. He's like, Oh yeah. Heck no. Uh, I'm out. <laughs> you know? And that's what I would be like if I was 13, and I had to face Satchel Page. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Just throw it three times over the plate. And I lived, I survived. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> but I also feel like at that point, once you've, you know, faced Satchel Page at 13 years old competition, you've peaked, right? You, it doesn't get yeah. harder than that. I feel like everything it's downhill from
0: there. I was gonna say that this just reminds me talking about it when I was, uh, when I was in high school, so I wrestled. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You take two looks at my ears and you can be like, oh, that guy was a wrestler. Um, I, I wrestled for several years. And kind of the, the thing to put the nail in the coffin because I knew I couldn't top it was when I was a junior, uh, I faced a guy. And his name was, uh, if I'm recalling it correctly, his name was Harry Lester. And this guy was the best wrestler in Ohio. Uh, comes in and basically what he would do, because you could get what's called, you get the most points for, your, for winning a match that would go into the overall standings uh, in the state, you mm-hmm. would essentially just take your opponent down, let him up, take him down, let him up, and you, you essentially run rule him, <laughs> the equivalent of it, right? And that's what this guy does. He comes in, I have to wrestle him, and he just wipes the floor with me. He's just toying with me the whole time like a cab of the mouse, right? Guy goes on to win a gold medal, and I'm like, that's my that's my moment of glory. Like, I got my butt kicked by a gold medalist. Like, that. that's... <laughs> But you, you survived. Go. That's <laughs> exactly. right. I survived. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So,
1: yeah, I, I kind of like that, I guess, you know, face and page. But uh, anyway, so we've got Granny, right? And he, he signed to the Phillies. His brother Garvin actually signed in 1945, and they became the first sibling double play combo in the MLB. Oh. That's the first of four. Now, my question to you is, can you name any of the other four double play combos? There's one that <sighs> Did- I would think is pretty easy. Then the other three, I have no idea. <laughs> Did Billy Ripken ever play with Cal? That's one of them. It's Cal and oh, Billy hey, Ripken I am, right. with, uh, with okay. the Orioles. You um, want to take a shot at the other two, or let's
0: see here?
2: There um, weren't two homers, well, but they were. They wasn't that father and son, or were they brothers?
1: No, so they were brothers, and their father okay. actually managed the team for about six oh, games
2: until well, wow. He fired. Wow! Yep. Um, Let's see here. H- how like how far out are we talking? Are we talking the eighteen eighties or nineteen forties? What are we so thinking here?
1: So, so think about okay. If this was the first double play combo, this was around nineteen forty-five, right? Um, it's I, I want to say sixties, seven. It's it's between this one and Cal Ripken and Billy Billy Ripken. Okay, so it's in, in that range. Well, you know, one out of four ain't bad.
2: One out of four ain't bad. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can just give it. To you. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's a it's a mystery. So we've got Eddie and Johnny O'Brien with the Pittsburgh oh, Pirates, yeah. and okay. then Frank and Milt Bowling with the Detroit Tigers. I wouldn't have gotten either of those two. Uh, Cal and Billy Ripkins, the only one I was really looking for uh, from oh, either of you. We nailed that one. Nicely uh, and, done, right? And a, a, a little side note about about Garvin here before we move on a little bit is in 1947. Uh, the St. Louis Browns thought they had taken uh, Granny off of waivers because his initial was G. Hamner. Uh-huh. But instead, they claimed his brother on accident, which <laughs> I think is incredibly hilarious. I. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's just such a baseball thing to happen.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, like I said, he played 16 years. Had a, everyone thought he was hard as nails. Uh, Peak of his career was the three years that he was an all-star from 1952 to 1954. Uh, During that period, he slashed 283, uh, batting average, uh, 324, 450, actually hit 51 home runs Mm -hmm. at at, uh, second base and shortstop uh, in that three-year range, which is pretty solid except in 1955, injured his shoulder, never really got back to that all-star level of production. Now a couple more background things here. He was very outspoken. Uh, he was the team captain as well as the player representative for the Phillies. And that led to a little bit of chafing with the team. and so he, and this is very out there. So there's actually this little story that I dug up where he was actually tailed by a private investigator in 1954. So they, they tailed granny Hamner with, with a PI because the owner was concerned that his players were going off and doing extracurricular activities that were not going to be conducive to playing baseball, I guess, but, uh, (laughs) not really a great way to keep your, your star shortstop around. So following that, there was a lot of grumbling between the two sides and granny Hamner was traded actually out to Cleveland in 1959 before he was released careers over, right? Wrong. There's more. (laughs) But wait, there's more. So (laughs) Granny Hamner actually returned as a pitcher, uh, pitched a few innings of relief in 1956. Actually, before he was even traded to Cleveland, entered spring training in 1957 as a pitcher. Uh, But he struggled with control, went back to the infield. And so when he was out of out of the majors, uh, he actually caught the attention of a New York scout when he was in the Cuban Winter League pitching and actually was able to work his way back up through the minors to uh, return to the majors with the athletics in 1962. And then he promptly retired after three games. But. Point is, that's, that's that's a lot better than most people do when they're out of the majors, three right?
2: decades of Major League Baseball. Three decades. That's incredible.
1: It really is. Well done, Granny. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so he ended he ends up retiring there. One of the greatest shortstops in Philadelphia franchise history. He's third on their war leaderboard with 15.4 behind Larry Boa and Jimmy Rollins. Um, hmm. The other big highlight w- from his career was when, in 1950, he won the pennant as a member of the Wiz Kids with Hall of Famer Richie Ashburn. So that, in a nutshell, oh, is Granny Hamner. So moving on, we're going to talk about another wild name uh, from baseball history, and that is Pickles Dillhuffer. His name was Pickles, so you can you can guess what what century this this guy played in, right? Now, just before going in on this guy, Daniel, you're you're up first here. You ready? Oh, How did he
0: get the name Pickles Dillhuffer? I mean, you almost want to go for the the easy pick here, right? I mean, guy probably liked a lot of probably like pickles. So I'm, I'm going to take a guess, right? It's That's either feels like it's that, or like some kind of reference that like you know he's just like a sourpuss or something, you know, like talking them in. Felt like chewing on a pickle or something. I don't know. It seems like something like they it. do. I then. like it. I like it. <laughs> Brandon, what do you got?
2: Well, my Metalocalypse fan side of me wants to say he was a drummer. Um, but I think when he was younger, he really, you know, when he was running the bass pass in, in practice, he got a lot of pickles. And they could never get him out because he's running back and forth so fast. So after a while, his teammates just called him Pickle. Wow. Now I got to be honest if I was on the
1: other side of this con- this question I would not do nearly as well as either of you two have. So pat yourself <laughs> on the back for for being able to come up with a quick backstory. Um actually it's because uh before a game he once ate 672 pickles. Just no, kidding. That's, that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> 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 that's a joke um yeah he he was uh born in 1893 pickles may have been a delicacy back then not entirely sure but it was his nickname was actually just derived from a play on his last name uh dill huffer so his full name oh. is william martin dill so pickles like dill pickle um that was given to him by the neighborhood kids growing up in cleveland again
2: so, the, so the, 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 hey. these are cheat names. They're always this part of the name. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I got you with a couple,
1: a couple of them this time. But uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's, that's just part of the story. They've just got a, that's just their name. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he had a very brief MLB career drafted by the Cubs in 1916 after he did pretty well in the minors. And the, the highlight of his career, though, the, the, I actually probably improper to say highlight but the thing that he's really known for was he was actually traded to the Phillies in the deal that sent Grover Cleveland Alexander to the Cubs now this was the first in what would become a long-standing tradition of sending future Hall of Famers to Chicago uh So for those of you listening that may know the Phillies would later go on to deal both Fergie Jenkins and Ryan Sandberg to the Cubs less than 20 years apart. So this really kicked it off. So pickles was really a pioneer in, in for, for the, the Phillies. Uh, but unfortunately, as you can probably guess, didn't do too well in Philadelphia, hit 091 in eight games before being traded to St. Louis before the 1919 season. Um, so he, he split time at catcher uh, the next three years and, and he really endeared himself to, to fans as one of those role players that, I mean, I'm sure you could name one of your favorite role players that maybe wasn't the biggest part of a team, but really contributed to the clubhouse. Like for me, Kike Hernandez. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was known for really being, a uh, having a fighting spirit, really being enthusiastic. And tragically, he actually died of typhoid fever in 1922 at just wow. age 28. So Jeez. pickles career was just cut a little bit short. Um, which is unfortunate. Now, transitioning into our next segment, uh, the pickle jar. Now, Brandon, do you want to kind of explain what this is to? Uh, yeah, to I, I
2: I see what you did there with that transition. That was really nice with the pickles and pickle jar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little bit of a downer of a transition, but. Yeah, true. So on a happier note, uh, so the pickle jar, this is a segment where we ask non-baseball fans what baseball jargon means, and we get what they say. And they come up with some wonderful things. Uh, so <laughs> this uh, this week, for example, the jargon is chin music. So we asked a couple of friends. We'll ask you as well. Mm-hmm. And according to, according to my good friend, Courtney, who knows what baseball is but doesn't watch it, um, I asked, what does chin music mean? And she says, well, it's when the co- coach touches their face when they try to talk to people, right? Like, oh, like signs when they're doing like swing away or take a bun. He goes, yeah, just like signs. That kind of makes sense. That's a that's a good guess. I, and, and I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll give it to both of of the people that we
1: that we ask on this segment. They usually are are fairly in the ballpark with with what the term is, even if they're mm-hmm. a little off. Uh, I asked my girlfriend Mia this week, and she said that chin music is when the catcher talks trash to the hitter. Which is, is around there because, you know, yeah. if you talk enough trash, you're going to get some chin music, right? Uh, so, Daniel, um, do you want to just define it for uh, for the people at home that might not know what chin music is? Or just well, take your far, best shot at it?
0: Yeah, sure. As far as I've understood the term or ever seen it used, it's usually when you – it usually comes right after you crowd the plate a little too much. And a pitcher runs a usually a fastball right up around where your head he is assuming you'll get out of the way, but might not, and uh, that was was called of giving you a little chin music to back you off the uh, the
2: plate. There, bingo, exactly right. Uh, now, I do want to say Mia actually did kind of get it right. Oh, Uh, because chin music's uh, origin kind of goes back way back to the 1800s, as a matter of fact. And even I've seen it used in the 1940s this way as well. So the original usage of chin music uh, was like jawing at each other. It was heckling. It was giving each other a hard time. Uh, So, you know, if you're talking crap to the catcher, you're giving them chin music back in the 1800s through the 1940s. Yeah. And I've seen that all the way through 1946 was the most recent occurrence I've seen of chin music used in that way when it came to baseball. And so it was around World War II-ish time frame in the 40s and 50s uh, that chin music came known as, you know, brushing off the plate with, you know, a bead ball to the head. <laughs> it's <was
1: Yeah>. fun. <laughs> yeah, That's interesting. I always love hearing where these, because baseball's got such a unique, mm-hmm. I guess, it's, it's, uh, it's got its own language. So I just, I love hearing that where it comes
2: from. That's really cool. And then I think I have one more question for you guys. Oh, no. Uh, so speaking of chin music, uh sometimes you don't always get just below the chin. Sometimes you beat them. And there have been lots of, you know, baseball players get hit with balls as a batter. So my question is, there are only, or sorry, only two pitchers that have played in the 21st century are in the top 10 for hit batsmen of all time. Can you name either of those two players? They did play in the 21st century.
0: Ooh. I'm going to guess... Nolan
2: Ryan. 21st century. Oh, 21st century. I okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, would have been a great guess, though, because I was I was also thinking oh, someone who had to have pitched for
1: a
2: long time, right? I don't uh, actually think Nolan Ryan was in the top 10, actually, come to think of it. Oh, have to double 21st check. 21st. I don't have the list on, up for me, but I'll to take a look. That's, that's like,
1: interesting. I would... Someone who's thrown a long time in the 21st
2: century. I'm I thinking... Have, I have a hint, if you'd like. Oh, please. Yep, please a okay, so... so so one of these players, you would never, ever want to get hit by. And the other one, wouldn't it be that bad? Randy Johnson. One. Yeah, that makes sense. Ta- we talked about him earlier, yeah. And Noah, you should know this one. Is it Jamie Moyers it's <laughs> That's not, but that's a good guess. That's a great guess. Look like at right.
0: someone well, I didn't want to get hit <laughs> by. <laughs> well, I that, should know this yeah. one. I'm assuming the other one is lottery. going to be.
2: What was that? I'm assuming it's a Dodger if, if I'm supposed to know who they are. Nope. Uh the player is Tim Wakefield. Oh, Tim's I was
0: gonna a knuckleballer. Okay. I always win Cadiati in my head, I'm like, no, it's too Candy old. Yeah. Oh my god, I can see a knuckleballer. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> oh, so that's two great. opposite
2: ends of the spectrum. Johnson, you know, flamethrower, and Wakefield, who is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, they are the only two in the 21st century in the top 10. Um, the other ones are, you know, the early, late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, the best Hall of Famer on that list is Walter Johnson. I think he's number two or three. Wow. Wow. He would be another one you don't get hit by, the freight train. That'd be bad news. I, honestly, yeah. I wouldn't even want to be hit by Tim Wakefield. I would just prefer yeah. to not get hit <laughs> by yeah, a Yeah,
0: I don't think he's moving 60 miles an hour. It's still too much for me. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good.
2: <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Tim Wakefield. Well, ain't that something, Brandon? Ain't that something? Oh, another good transition by Noah Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Because <laughs> ain't that something? <laughs> ain't that <laughs> something is the name of our next segment. Uh, and this is just kind of an odd thing that happened during a game that makes you go, ain't that something? And this is about the time that Stan Musial, stand the man, was thrown out with two balls at second base. Maybe three. We'll get to that. Like two balls so, in play? Two two balls were definitely in play. Uh, Ooh, it's kind of confusing. Okay. So let's let's get into that. So it's back in 1959. It was a game between the Cardinals and the Cubs, of course. And if you look at the box score, all you see is that Stan drew a walk in the fourth inning and got tagged out between second and third. All right. Something something funky happy there. So they got thrown out rather on a wild pitch. So there's a wild pitch and he just ran around and got tagged out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. But what ha- actually happened was, so when the ball was thrown uh, to home plate, um, you know, Stan got out of the way, but it was high and all the Cubs players thought they hit his bats. So they, you know, went back, the ball went back to the back, backstop and Stan went to first base. But then the pitcher ran down the home plate and began giving chit music, arguing with the umpire, and the catcher got it in the two. And as Stan's getting to first base, he is seeing that and he starts rounding and then, Okay, I can do this. And starts making their way to second base. And then, <laughs> oh, and then Alvin Dark, who we talked about in a different episode, um, at third base, he sees this and he starts running down to the backstop to pick up the ball. So, he gets down there. But the ball boy picked up the ball. <laughs> oh, no. And so, while this is going on, they're still arguing in the home plate. And then the umpire gives the catcher a new ball. And then the catcher sees Musial go in the second. So he fires the ball down, and then Alvin finally gets the ball, and he fires it down the second base as well. And the catcher's ball... There's two balls here now. There's two balls in play at the back. So we have one being thrown from home, and one being thrown from the backstop. The catcher, (laughs) the one at home plate, throws it, and this one sails in the center field. And then Alvin Dark, the third baseman at the backstop, throws it. It one hops, and Ernie Bakes at second catches it. But Stan's sliding in a second, and he only sees the ball being thrown in the center field. So he's sliding. He pops up, looks at the ball, and starts running in third just for Ernie Bakes to tag him out. <laughs> and they called him out.
0: Unreal.
1: That's like That's a better had, hidden ball trick. Yeah,
2: yeah. and at that point, it launched into a 20-minute argument with all the umpires and managers. Wow. But, yeah. but we did say that there was a possible third ball in play as well. So, when the ball was thrown to the backstop, um, it was thrown and it started rolling towards the public address announcer. And that's when the ball boy ran out to get the ball. And according to the PA announcer, the ball boy got got it and put the ball in the bag of balls. And then Alvin Dark <laughs> ran up and he's seen what's going on with stand running. He goes, just give me a ball, any ball. And He grabs a ball from the back and throws it down. So, we don't even know which actual ball was in play here. But at the wow. end result, Stan was out. <laughs> wow. There, <laughs> there's really no winning as – there's no. no winning being a ball boy here,
1: right? I feel like they're, they're no. always caught in the middle of, of a play, and I just always feel so bad for them.
2: <laughs> and at some point, there was video evidence, but the network has since recorded over it. <laughs> Probably back in the 50s <laughs> or 60s recorded sometimes. Recorded yeah. over it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Burn the evidence. Earn it. That's actually why. In my
0: head <laughs> as you're describing this – I have to be like, how slow is Stan Musial? <laughs> like, <laughs> enough time for like three balls well, to come into play?
2: <laughs> so actually at this time, uh, what year was this again? 59? Uh, this was, I'm not sure if it was this last year, but when I was looking at newspapers, actually I came about the story in a funny way, uh, but they were all the newspapers at the time. were just talking about how old and slow and how this could be the last year of Musial and they like oh, cool. lamenting the greatness of him. And he's still saying he's in great shape, but clearly not so much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and then really quick, the way I found this story is that I was researching an entirely different article uh, and I was looking at a newspaper from like nineteen seventy one or something like that. And then off to the right side in the sports section it said the craziest play in baseball history. Oh, well, I'm gonna look at that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it just snowball from there and hey, here it is. Beautiful. That's wild. That's amazing. Eight, I guess you could say ain't that something <laughs> ain't that something ain't that and it's got
1: everything because it's got the conspiracy that there might have been a third ball on the scene too mm-hmm. I, I love it's got that.
2: two hall of famers at play love it Absolutely. Ain't that something?
1: Well, that just about wraps up our show here tonight. Daniel, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being an excellent guest. Um, you can find Daniel Port on Twitter at Daniel J Port. Please go check out command the zone on the picture List podcast network and on Twitter at command the zone. Daniel, do you want to just give a, a brief rundown of what to expect on command the zone for our listeners?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, we're taking a big picture uh, on baseball and kind of trying to put a baseball into the proper context uh, for both current events and larger sort of, you know, going ons with baseball to help people better, you know, see, hear and experience the game. And so typically the format of our, our episodes are we'll run down through the the weekly news of what is going on in baseball, what we've seen happen. And then we usually do some kind of almost similar here where we'll do some sort of fun excursion into like, who was your favorite pitcher as a kid or, you know uh, what's your favorite like hot take in baseball. Uh, if you ever actually non-baseball as well. So if you ever want to hear, take some sandwiches or things like that, we also do that a little bit. And then lastly, we do usually do a big like round table because there's three of us. And so it's a, it's a whole different kind of conversation, much like this one. We do like almost like a round table discussion where we take one, big subject matter and we kind of dive into it and look at all the angles of it and discuss it uh in more of like a sort of roundtable uh format. Awesome. Very oh, cool. I'll I'll cool. make sure to be
1: to check that one out. And for those of you listening again at home, you can find them on Twitter at CMD the Zone. Uh, alternatively, if you would like to follow Short Hops and Tall Tales on Twitter, you can find us at short You can find Brandon Riddle at BD Riddle and myself at Noah A. Scott 6. And be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, For Brandon Riddle, I'm Noah Scott, and this has been Short Hops and Tall Tales. See you next time.